I first met Kelsey the way I've met a lot of people here in Chicago, on a long run winding up and down the third coast. She told me all about her days fighting to get her robot, called Pokey McPokeface, to do anything useful. While our feet thrummed the pavement and she spouted excitedly about how cool and weird her possums were, yes, possums, I found myself wondering how she could be so confident and happy doing such difficult work. There is more in Kelsey's life than mine. More successes, more failures, more happiness, more sadness. Here, she talks about all of those things, all through the narrative of what is obviously so important to her, the science she conducts. She is cool, collected, confident. I'm happy to call her my friend and my running buddy. I hope you get a sense for her wit, charisma, and competence. This is Science and Feelings. Cool. I'm Kelsey Stilson, and I am a fourth year graduate student. Feels very weird because I used to be a third year. And now I'm graduating in, into like fourth year mode. The switch is, recently flipped. It is, yeah, it's hard because third year is all about just doing your research and you have two more years and mm. you've had two years behind you and it's just everything's in balance and now the universe is out of balance again. So, <laughs> yes, I'm going into my fourth year. Mm. I'm a trained paleontologist. So I did, went to the University of Oregon mm. thinking I was going to be a thoracic surgeon. And then from there, I needed to, for, I was actually going to be an RA, um, a resident assistant, or whatever they call it. Yeah. And I got rejected from that job. Mm. And I was so despondent over that. And that was like the worst thing that happened to me, I guess, up until that point, which it really wasn't, just felt like at the time. Oh, it's a disaster. Yeah. That my RA felt really bad for me and gave me this other job opportunity where I could be an RA for a summer thing. And I wasn't very good oh. at it. But part of the summer job was getting into a lab yourself. And oh, so okay. then I had to get into a lab for a, the job. Mm-hmm. And I, were, I ran around and I tried different labs. And the, I was in the honors college at the time. And the professor was a paleontology professor. And I said, oh, I want to be in your lab. And she's like, eh, can you try this lab over here? And it was Ooh. a grass lab, like evolution of grasses. <laughs> oh boy. And I was so excited because it was real science. Yeah. And so I real dressed research, up every, yeah. like really nice for every single time we had a meeting or anything. Yeah. And then I realized I didn't care about the evolution of grasses oh. at all. So I went and I, I had this like big crisis moment because I went and I told the professor that I, I didn't want to work. And she was like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, go find your thing. So then I went back to my paleontology professor and I'm like, I really like what you do. You're my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, fine. And so she gives me this project that I think was meant to deter me because it was just a a bunch of pieces of fossils. And Uh. I was supposed to catalog them all and identify them because the University of Oregon had their paleontology program had only just started again. 
and oh. was actually shut down in the 1970s, and they had kept all the fossils in two classrooms. Oh, boy. So you had to go through them and classify yes. a bunch. Yeah. So just classifying like old things that people have written in note cards or there's nothing at all, so I'm just Googling things. Yeah. And it took me a whole month to classify this whole drawer. And I'm like, I'm done. I've done it. Like, give me real science now. And they're like, great, here's drawer two. Oh, shit. <laughs> Like I passed your test. Yeah. Give me something real. Oh, wait. Like, drawer two out of they I don't know. I classified the whole the whole collection. So, so. you did your undergrad, you tried to be an RA and the world said no. Yeah. And said then, no. and then you went for a master's. Yeah, then I went for a master's because I felt like I wasn't quite ready for my PhD yet because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But you knew you wanted to do a PhD. Maybe. Actually, I didn't really. And I didn't have the okay. best grades either because calculus <laughs> hates me. And calculus I have a couple a F's on my transcript, like straight up F's because I don't understand how to take classes. And so uh, I went and I, I actually went and tried to get into a couple different programs and decided on... PhD U- programs or... Uh, both, yeah. Okay. I did both. But uh, I ended up choosing the master's program at UT Austin through the geological um, department, the Jackson School of Geoscience. Okay. And it's a really great program because it's uh, very strong and they um, they just, they have lots of support for you there. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they did when I was there. And um, especially Chris Bell. So my, I just have to shout out, yeah. my undergrad advisors were Sam Hopkins and Edward Davis. And uh-huh. They were amazing. What did they do for you? They advise, and they also uh, showed what it's like to have uh, healthy mentor relationships and were very supportive, but also kind of like when I need to be kicked in the ass, they would kick me in the ass. Because that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And very tolerant of me in general. Like one time we were camping, because you do a lot of camping, you do a lot of field work. Yeah. And it was a morning, and I don't know. Edward said something, and I like threw my coffee cup at him. Oh my god! <laughs> and how many people can like say like, yeah, I just threw a coffee cup at my advisor? But you know, they're like, yeah. she hasn't had her coffee yet. It's okay. <laughs> so field sciences in general are tend to be, I found, pretty close knit, almost families because hmm. you're kind of suffering out there, and everyone suffers together, and they also look out <laughs> for each other. So then you come yeah. back in and you might not, you know, be digging in the dirt with them anymore, but you still kind of feel that kinship. And that's what's really great about geology. Like I, I used to be a pre-med and I went to the geology department at the University of Oregon because it was supportive and it was smaller yeah. and more, more like we're going to help you get you through this. That's great. So, but okay. So masters, it, UT right. Austin, well, weird thing about my masters was, uh, Chris Bell was my master's advisor Yeah, and he is probably the advisor in some ways that I'm closest to. I don't know, every relationship's different, right? Oh, of course. But he was advised by the same person for his PhD as my undergrad advisors. Oh, wow. everything's so related in paleontology. <laughs> yeah. So they have this same kind of teaching style. And oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in some ways it was not like, oh, oh, like this is just an extension of home, which was really nice because I was very much feeling like an imposter and alone in I mean, Texas. You were in a new place. Yeah. Yeah. My first time really getting out there and being so. Um, okay. But that was, and that there I worked on the uh, skull morphology in modern agamid lizards. Um, of Australia. Okay. Oh, so we're, help me understand yeah. what each of those let, uh, each of those words mean. 
So we're, I'm looking at modern lizards this time. Okay. And looking at skulls that have been collected in the field by Chris Bell because he okay. has a permit to do all of reptiles and amphibians and just collect them all in Australia. And that's if if you're a scientist, that's like a permit you can apply for. Right, right. And you and he was able to go to Australia, find these. Yeah. And take them back. Yeah. To the United States. Yeah, yeah. They're on loan from from Australia. So they have to yeah. go back. At some they do point. have to. Yeah. Okay. That's but really then interesting. the deal is we actually clean all the skulls and because you have to actually take all the little bits of meat and stuff off. And we use right. these beetles called dermestids, but they're actually flesh eating beetles. And this is how paleontologists have traditionally and they still this is still the best way to clean uh, modern animals. So you can look at the bones is you use another animal. Yeah. To clean your bones. Yeah. Right. How fa- how fast? How long does it take to, it depends to clean? Depends on the size of the animal and the size of the beetle. Because there are different ty- there are different sizes of beetles. I mean, some are beetles. younger, and oh, the younger okay. ones basic can eat like smaller things pretty quickly, and then the bigger ones you do for like large carcasses, and you okay. you take off as much meat as you can first. Oh right. And then you put it in. And what's really nice about that is there's other ways you can boil the flesh off. You can <laughs> use cleaners and solvents but that tends to also destroy the bone if you're not careful so the best way is to just have these little hands just all picking up the meat and they'll clean it for you yeah so i have these really teeny they're maybe the size of a quarter like if you lengthwise for these skulls and i have a i have about 20 for each species which is really nice because then i can have a developmental or um, kind of a word that's an ontogenetic sequence Okay. Of these, basically, I have males and females. I have really young ones. I have really old ones. So we can see the whole ranges of the bones because lizards go continuously throughout their lifetimes. Okay. And why this is a paleontology project is we want to understand the past diversity of lizards and what they were doing. But you can't okay. do that until you understand the present. And so we really want to okay. understand the diversity of these modern lizards. Um, just on the skeletal level and all the different ways that one species can present and then apply that to fossils. Okay. So okay. I, ju- I just looked at three species and... Three species that are alive now. Alive today, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I looked at the whole range and then I looked at different characters on the skull. And a character is something like a certain ridge or bump or nodule and you can like go through and actually describe this whole skull and say you and use presence absence characters that's a lot of what we use to say yes this species has a ridge and no or no it doesn't oh, okay. or this certain groove or these holes for the nerves to go through that are in some but not others and that's a lot of how they tell these animals apart in the past so you have this whole like set of vocabulary to kind of accurately describe yeah the differences that to a layperson these skulls might look super similar and yeah. so like your days were filled with looking at bones and measuring and describing yeah. and and outreach events were presenting fossils to um, middle schoolers or elementary schoolers oh, or nice. doing classes and also oh. teaching because there i had to teach three out of the four quarters i was there wow yeah wow did yeah. you did you like that I did. It was really fun. It's really fun. It was very overwhelming at first and very like, what am I doing? And yeah. but the the thing the thing that got me through like life in general, and if I could say this to anyone, this is the most important piece of advice ever. All right, listen up, kids. 
fake it till you make it. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Yes. Just be that person. And it doesn't matter that inside you aren't that person. Be that person. And then eventually the rest of you will catch up. Yeah, because if everyone else is convinced that you're that person, it's just one more person that needs to believe that you're that person and that's yeah. you. And then yeah. you are. And, and for me, my big thing is anxiety. Mm. I have horrible anxiety and actually take medication for it and I'm still anxious and yeah. you know our runs are great because <laughs> I'm very fast for a reason <laughs> just <laughs> running out all my anxiety but running is like a is like a multi-tool of like mental health help and like health in general help I mean the science backs it up physiologically it's great for you then I was again in my comfort zone and I wanted to stay in Texas for a PhD. Interesting. Yeah. So I was going to stay in Texas. And usually Chris Bell is saying, I usually don't let students. I make them fly the nest. So he said, okay, you have to apply to other places. I'll let you. I'm, I'm the backup, but you have right. to apply to other places. Yeah. So I went and there's actually my really good friend, Robert Burroughs, who's also here now. Oh. And he said, Kelsey, come check out Chicago. So I went and I interviewed uh, and I thought, oh, it's a really cool program. So I applied to it and I got on the Prospective Student Weekend. I had a bunch of interviews, but not as many as other people. Okay. And I was like, they like me. They don't need, they're not spending time on me because oh. they like me. Because they already know. Yeah. You don't need to be evaluated. You're yeah. Just, they're just looking for fit now. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what I thought. That was my interpretation of it. And maybe it was correct because I, there I was back in Texas teaching yeah. and they were taking a test. So I was checking my email as one does. Uh-huh. And I saw the acceptance letter <gasps> and I was like, I'll be right back, students. <laughs> and I just went out the door and I ran and found Chris Bell and I was like, I'm accepted. So that's and like, exciting. oh, my God. It was, it's a feeling that I bottled up and keep inside now for when I'm uh, feeling really low and down. So that way it can be like, just let a little of it out and be like, it felt so good yeah. just to be, to be accepted. You know, that's. It's like a huge dose of validation. Yeah. Like the work paid off. Yeah. I'm valued. I'm valued. I'm wanted. Yeah. It feels great to be wanted. Yeah. 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 So that's so. cool that you kind of keep that. You bottle up, bottle up the good times for when it gets dark. (laughs) There are going to be dark times in your future and you got to bottle it up. True. Very, very true. So at that point, did you know you wanted to go to Chicago? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I was, it's the only place I applied. And I ended up not applying to any other place. I did this going into college too. I only, there's only one place I wanted to go. So and I you made sure you got in, and I just yeah, yeah. just went in. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm very persistent when I want to be. As <laughs> I'll just keep poking until. I think that's a, I think that is a consistent trait of many successful grad students. Persistence. Yeah, yeah it's not really, it's it's not really accuracy so much as persistence. <laughs> oh yeah, because we fail all the time. All the time. It's all expected. The time, yeah. yeah. And the only way you keep going is you just move forward and you keep you going. You laugh and a you little. Try again. Yeah. Laugh a little, stand up, brush yourself off, and go yeah. again. Yeah. Run yourself right back into that brick wall. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes literally. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
So, so I was out there and I was going to work with a fish paleontologist named Mike Coates, who is brilliant. Uh-huh. He has these amazing macroevolution questions. And you're like, fish evolution? Like, who cares? Well, you cared because before the dinosaurs and all the really big cool things, there was the small cool things yes. that do some really crazy stuff. And that kind of leads to the lineages that we think of as kind of the really cool, sexy lineages of the day, like mammalia mm. and dinosauria. And um, from dinosauria, you get aves and birds. So yeah. the this is really looking at the core questions of how all of that is getting set up and also looking at how does the modern diversity of the of the ocean kind of emerged too and everything so some really really cool questions and i really really wanted to be a part of that and then i did a rotation with him and i wasn't as engaged Mm. as i thought i'd be what what was wrong i I didn't the pat i wasn't spending a lot of time actually in lab and i was on a project but i just i didn't feel that passion that craziness that you need to really spend i wasn't spending nights there in the lab like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so i i just knew that i wasn't as i wasn't as interested so then i rotated and i actually um i actually then my next rotation was Nico Histopoulos. Oh. oh wait, or it might have been Callum. I think it was Nico though. Okay. It was one of the two. If they get they get stuck in my mind because they're both uh, like spoiler alert, they're both my advisors. <laughs> so <laughs> and Yeah, uh, fun fact. Kelsey yeah. and I share an advisor. Woo! Nico. Woo! So he's in Greece or something. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. I haven't seen him in days. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, so I rotated and started to work with animals and like live animals. I went from fish that have been very, very dead, <laughs> the deadest you can be, to then these live animals. And it, I was engaged. I was spending weird hours in there. Yeah. I was started to learn about um, all the electronics and things that we use in the lab and all the different... Yeah ways of thinking about how the brain works, how the body works, all the different tools we can use to explore this. Yeah. And I was like, sold, sign me up now. And they're like, wait, who are you again? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then, you know, the I was gonna work with primates, but uh, they were like, came to me one day and they're like, Kelsey, what do you think of possums? <laughs> and I'm like, you what no no i'm gonna work on really cool brain machine interfaces and i'm gonna basically make my own robocop and this is not what i'm gonna do and they're like okay think about it just think about it and then um we talked more and we had lots more conversations and the i started working also with the mammal paleontologist shaji lo and really started to think about how possums can be applied to the fossil record which as well as modern so now we're bringing back kind of the principles i'd learned before of applying the present to the past but also putting in new things like things like brain machine interfaces and um all these different tools I could use to explore in the XROM. So mm-hmm. shall we go, shall we dive into XROM? We had, we had a little bit of a preview of XROM from JD. Okay, good, uh, good. But please feel free to explain it in your own words. Okay. So basically what I say is it's, uh, 
uh, x-ray video cameras and you can have little markers in the bones so what you end up seeing is like a walking skeleton right yeah and inside the x-rays basically we can get these the kinematics or the movement of the animal and all of a sudden you have like a possum skull eating and you can see exactly how all those movements are uh, are going on so there's all sorts of there's all sorts of different interesting aspects of physiology that then you don't just have the notes or the video camera saying what was this animal doing we can quantify what the animal was doing yes so it's a really cool system and that's they're like you can use xrom use these possums and start looking at feeding mechanisms mm. well who cares right <laughs> We see possums eating all the time. Just like look out in your backyard. I, I have never, eating. Kelsey, I've never seen a possum never eating in what? my backyard. This is you, <laughs> have you seen a raccoon at least? I have seen raccoons. Okay. Because usually, usually if one's not, it's a biome thing. They have the same niche, ecological niche. But so, they push each other out. Yeah, so like it's only one out. or the other. Usually, yeah. Okay. Or then okay. they fight each other and stuff. Right, right. But uh, possums are a great study animal because they like being alone. They don't want to be with another possum. Mm -hmm. They'll fight each other if they're actually put in the same cage. So you just don't want them to even. They're happier. <laughs> and uh, basically my job for like the next year was to get this possum in the XROM and then feed him. <laughs> Consequently, all my possums are now obese. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm working on it. They're also, there's they're these, they're quote, there's the, they're the quote primitive mammal. So they're really interesting because they've retained these characters that are very similar to mammals, the early mammals, the ones that were around when the dinosaurs were even just getting started. Mm -hmm. So the dinosaurs haven't even diversified into their giant forms yet. They're kind of small. Right. And you have these little rodenty things running around. They were smaller than possums, but they have a lot of the same characteristics. Okay. So... All of a sudden, you having you, your your teeth are very complicated. They're not. If you think about it like a lizard, it's very peg-like teeth. Right. And you're starting to do this thing called mastication. Mm. And what mastication is is it's the complex chewing where you're actually pre-digesting your food before it even goes into the stomach. So and it's not only just chewing up your food before swallowing it. It's like breaking it down mm -hmm. chemically a little bit, right? Like yeah. With, with things with like saliva and things in your mouth before actually swallowing it is that yeah what's the difference between like chewing and mastication well a chewing so mastication um also it's rhythmic so oh. there's the rhythmicity aspect to it where if you look at if you watch a lizard it's kind of it's very uneven how they chew kind of gulp gulp yeah. gulp yeah and, and technically it's kind of one of those only mammals can be said to masticate everything else chews. So what a mammal does oh. is mastication. Definitionally. Definitionally, yeah. Okay. But on a, when you're just looking at every day, so what basically it means chewing where you're pre-processing the food before it ever gets to your stomach. Mm -hmm. And birds kind of do this too. They have a little mm. gastrolis or little rock, stomach rocks that they swallow and that functions does the same job as your teeth. Wait, are they the same stomach rocks that like big gigantosaurus is yeah. used to eat? Yeah, yeah. In order to because crush what? Up their... Oh my! Because dinosaurs, dinosaurs are, are birds. birds. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
oh, I'm like eight again. Right? right? It's fucking cool. There's a reason why paleontology is, it's considered like a gateway science. Yeah. It's like the yeah. best at, yeah, yeah, yeah. at really reaching out to people because it's fucking cool. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. You like, take this thing as big of a building and like look out your window right now and see a version of that sitting on yeah. a branch. Yeah. Right. Super cool. Yeah. Or watch wild turkeys walk and looks exactly like how the dinosaurs walked in like Jurassic Park. Oh. So there. Yeah. That's Very really cool. fun. Those. So my day to day with these guys is go down check on them mm -hmm. i actually don't have to worry too much about their health or anything because like i said the staff takes amazing care of them oh yeah they're great and uh puts puts like they put treats and they make like little houses for them and stuff uh -huh. and uh they have they try to put uh they try to put different different types of toys in to kind of keep them interested mm -hmm. possum don't care possum <laughs> we'll ignore that toy you got food you're interesting, <laughs> but so many toys have been tried on these possums. And, but they have priorities. They, like, yeah, they yeah. just don't care. <laughs> and then I'll go in and actually uh, work on my robot for a while. And so yes, you have a robot. <laughs> I have a robot. So I'm building a robot that pokes possums in the face. Yes. And Pokey McPoke face uh, is my baby, but it's also. The um, if you want a study in failure and reiteration, it's, it's right perfect. there. Yeah. So like a year and a half ago, I came up with this idea, and I built it out of Legos and literally string, <laughs> and then uh, I went and got some more supplies where I got this like basic motor setup, and I did that. Yeah. And I kind of showed my advisors and they're like, well, this is nice, but can you make something for more than $5 that's maybe, <laughs> maybe a little more replicable when you actually sure. do the stimulus? And that yeah. was really my, what I really want to do is create a machine that pokes the teeth in different ways for different amounts of time and mm -hmm. different amounts of force. And that way you can really break down how these nerves are encoding all of this information mm -hmm. in this 3D crazy suspensory system. Because it's not good enough to just say like what something does. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not enough to just describe what yeah. something is doing. You have to interact with it in a way mm -hmm. that you can derive some meaning yeah. behind its actual behavior. Yeah. And, and so that's what you're doing, right? You're you're doing it in a very systematic way. And there's there's two ways it could have done it, right? We could have had the possum chew and have all the different types of basically it's almost as if the the tooth is is doing all its behaviors at once mm -hmm. and tried to work backwards from there and figure out what the neurons are doing. But instead I'm going the other way. I'm yeah. saying given this one stimulus in this one little place, what does that do? Okay, mm -hmm. now we're going to move it a little bit. Now we're going to do it again. And just reiterate, reiterate, reiterate. Yeah. And I've probably made like, n not even a joke. And I've tried to, I've tried to take patience most of this because this is very important to research and to just life in general is that the first time it doesn't work out, the second time it works out, maybe it's gonna work out on the 25th time. And it's a year and a half later. I now know basic electronics, basic electrical engineering. I've broken every single piece of this robot and had to replace it. I've, I've, you know, I've done, questionable electronic things and now I'm safe mm. and really and I've learned about coding I've never I knew about I knew how to code but I wasn't comfortable mm -hmm. coding before and now that I've had to do it 
oh, you're, you're pretty good now that you have yeah. to. Yeah. And it's <laughs> so. important to note that you didn't do this by choice. There's no one you can really go to and say, build a robot for me. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's a function of how specialized mm -hmm. this need is, but also there's not a lot of money in this. <laughs> You're going about that kind of money and you ultimately lose because I wouldn't know all the skills I have now. Exactly, and, exactly. And that's why we're here in this program. We're not here to ask other people to make our shit. We're here to make the shit from yeah. the ground up. Yeah. And that will make us very strong scientists when we, you know, quote, grow up. <laughs> so, so I'm really, I mean, Pokey McPokeface, I'm, I'm so proud of it because yeah. from the ground up, who, you read about scientists that are like, oh, I have this idea and I'm going to make this. And yeah. now, now you make it, you know, you, mm -hmm. you actually do the mad science. So. And it's driven yeah. by a question. Yeah, right. yeah. It's not mad science for the sake of making something that looks cool. Right. I'm I'm gonna build a lightning gun. No, it's not that. Yeah. You built a lightning gun because you want to figure out a way to like transmit electricity a hundred miles. Yeah. Or something. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. There's a, there's there's questions and there is every 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 piece of it, there's a reason for it. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. And yeah. and that's what motivates through the failure. Yeah. And through all of the weird tangents. Yeah, because right? you get you get so tired. You're just down there forever yeah. working on the same piece of equipment. Yeah. And nothing's working. And it's week three of you working on the same problem. Oh, and yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you, I mean, what do you think has been like the biggest challenge in that whole process? The, for me, it was, it was engineering and electrical knowledge okay. is... I have the, I've always, I've always loved electronics. When I was a kid, my dad used to bring home computers so mm -hmm. I could rip them apart. Well, that's fun. And things like things from work that people were just throwing out, he would right. just bring home and be like, here, play. And I'd be like, rip. And I'd just tear <laughs> shit apart. And, uh, but I never put it back together <laughs> because. Yeah, interesting. And yeah. I've, I've always, I've always had a fascination with technology, but I've never had a true working understanding of it. And even hmm. in high school, I was against like computers. Like I was coding wasn't my thing. I was yep. an artist. I was not a coder. Uh, and it's slowly, it's kind of like, and now I think it's beautiful. It's like, a, it's this language of it expression. Is. And it's a very yeah. powerful language of expression. And the more you understand, like the more you can, the more, the more you can do. And so mm -hmm. knowing the physical, the physical electronics, I think is just as important as the code and really understanding how your electronics are functioning. So I feel like I have a good sense for like your day-to-day, -day, your amazing possumness, mm -hmm. the like integration of like the skills that you've learned from like building this crazy robot and the difficulties you've had. From this whole trajectory, like what are the lessons that you feel like you've learned that you would want to like tell people just starting out either in science or just like starting grad school? The, if, so we've already, we've already gone over the most important, fake it till you make it. Damn right. And it's not being fake. No, it's being the person you want to be. Be true to who you are. There's going to be lots of different amazing people that you run into 
and you're going to feel very inadequate or very much like I have to be like that person. Yeah. But you don't. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Do it your way. If you need to study a certain way, if you need for your comfort to dress a certain way, if you need to just be a certain way and you can communicate, especially I know I know people that have just, it's really all about communication. And if you can communicate that and say, I really need this, and this is important to my mental health, my physical health, yeah. then usually if you have a good advisor or if you have somebody around that is that you this is and this is kind of key when you're going out and to, and going to these different programs is to really ask these questions of okay if i suffer from chronic headaches if i don't come in because i'm having this horrible headache is that a problem for you yeah or for me i really i really like to sleep in i call it running on possum time because possums are nocturnal <laughs> and i talked to my advisor and i said are you bothered by the fact that I don't get in till 11 a.m. sometimes? Yeah. And he said, no, you get your shit done. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, he he's really, like, he's really, t his, his kind of philosophy is he's teaching us to be independent. Mm -hmm. And then we come to him. I come, I, I come to him when I'm freaking out about something. Like, I can handle this. And then he's like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little scary right now, but we're going to talk. <laughs> but that's because I kind of, I canalized myself I, towards that type of person because I know that's the type mm -hmm. of advisor that I work with. Yeah, that's what I'd say is it's that nuance between, uh, between one, looking for self-improvement and being okay with change in yourself mm -hmm. but not being disingenuous to who you are and really being honest with yourself if you're miserable. And uh, the other, one of my other big things is uh, it'll look better. Everything's going to look better in the morning. So if, if sleep on it, sleep on it, if you have a horrible day, like some of the times just because you're sleep deprived, because, you know, you have an 8am class, and your body is on possum time. <sighs> and then you have to keep going for the rest of your day. And like, life yeah. just isn't looking great. So yeah, it'll, it'll be better in the morning. So uh, and then also take advantage of opportunities when they show up. Because I had no plan to come to the University of Chicago. I thought it was this kind of stuck-up school for people smarter than me. And I also was never going to go to Texas because I had my preconceived notions about Texas. And those were both turned out to be life-changing, fantastic decisions yeah. that were very hard and very stressful. And there was some crying, but that's okay because crying is part also part of being a human. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also crying can be a great way to get out some stress. Like have your cry, like have a good cry. It's very efficient. And then you'll just, you'll <laughs> feel amazing afterwards and a little, a little thirsty, but amazing. It's cathartic. It is. Yeah. It's important because it's, it's kind of a natural stress valve for humans, I think. Okay. Here's, here's a big one. This is my new, here's my new, it's, this is, so helpful. It's called the 10, 10, 10 rule. Oh, okay. So it's like this, this will be the, this will be like the parting words. So like, okay. what is the 10, 10, 10 rule? The 10, 10, 10 rule is a chance for you to step back. If you're very freaked out, stressed out, or even just kind of trying to plan your life. Hmm. And okay. it's how will I feel 10 hours from now? How will I feel 10 months from now? How will I feel 10 years from now? And the idea is it's, it's that 
you say, what are the long-term benefits versus the short-term? And how will, how will I feel about my performance now, then? The 10-10-10 rule really helps kind of even out and make sure you don't do anything you won't regret. Mm, and I see. So it can help contextualize choices. Yeah, yeah. And really, really like help you look into the future as well. And especially because it's the kind of 10, 10, 10, right? Yeah. So in those times of crisis, you can remember it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, in, in 10 hours, yeah. I, uh, I'm going to appreciate that you came into this podcast. I'm going to appreciate you inviting it. me. Yeah. It's it really fun. In, in 10 months, I hope that this will be an episode that people go back yeah. and still listen to and are happy about yeah. and have gotten some value out of. And in 10 years, maybe the internet <gasps> won't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good. Cool. All well, right. Well, Kelsey, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being on Science and Feelings.